if I'd had a vision in my mind of being full-time property development, it was never clear enough to know what exactly it would look like from a financial perspective. I just knew that it had to be supported. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello, and welcome to episode 101 of the Property Developer Podcast. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Going well? I'm doing great, thanks. Had a busy couple of weeks. Got quite a bit done, which is always nice. Starting to bunker down for winter here in Melbourne. Weather has been strange this week. We've had sunny, warm weather and then now freezing cold, wet weather. I think there's more cold, wet weather ahead than behind us. So anyway, got another great show coming up for you today. Got a terrific guest talking about how he made the transition from small-scale developer into full-time property developer. I'm sure there's a lot of you that are going to love that chat because there's lots of awesome information in there. Before we get to that, here's a quick project update about what I've been up to on my Cambridge Road project. I was just out there today and it's nice to see that the scaffolding has come down on eight of the 14 townhouses. So we can now see the design shining through, which is great. They've also started putting in the kitchen cabinetry, which is nice. And they've put the roofing on the front six townhouses. So that's been good. Now they're working on putting the cladding on at the front and working towards finishing off the lockup stage for the back eight. So things are moving along nicely on that project. On my other project, we finished the advertising period with only a few objections, thankfully. It's quite happy about that. So fingers crossed for getting a permit from here without too many hassles or complications. Although you never know until the stamped permit has arrived. And I've been busy doing some initial groundwork for the post-permit phase so that we can really hit the ground running when the permit comes through. So there's been a lot I've had to do there in terms of getting in touch with suppliers and contractors and finding out all sorts of information that um, I haven't had to do before. So that's been good and I'm looking forward to getting that project going. Okay, a couple of quick promo announcements before we get to our guest. The first one for the property developer training. I'm very excited to announce that I've added some new training inside that course. This one is on capital raising. And I put that together because I know that raising money is often an issue that people face or that they're interested in. And if you want to do bigger and more projects, then raising capital is something that you're going to have to do. So I put that training together to help people understand what's involved in raising capital. So in the course, I cover off how you work out how much cash you're going to need to start and finish a project and when during the project you might need cash. We look at debt and equity, what's the difference and which one is the right one to use. We look at the legal considerations for when you're raising money. We cover off investment proposals and how you can pull together an effective investment proposal for prospective investors. We talk about where you can actually find investors 
and a whole lot more. So there's heaps of awesome content and information in that training. Now, if you are a member of the Property Developer Training, that's awesome because you'll have access to this as part of your membership. If you would like to get access, then head over to propertydevelopertraining.com and check out all the things that are included inside the training, including the Property Developer Training, which is my step-by-step process for doing a small-scale property development. There's also the Taking It to the Next Level course, which focuses on what you can do if you want to become a full-time developer. There's also the social wall where I post things about what's happening in the development world. And of course, the forum, which is the area where you can ask questions and have questions answered. So there's heaps of awesome stuff inside the training. I'd love to see you in there. I hang out in there all the time. So it'd be great to see you there. And don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, Become a Million Dollar Property Developer, an insider's guide to wealth, fulfillment, and glory. You can pick that up at propertydeveloperpodcast.com forward slash book if you want to find out a bit more about the lessons I've learned along the way. And finally, a quick shout out for the quiz. If you want to find out how ready you might be to become a developer, head over to propertydevelopertraining.com forward slash quiz and take the free quiz. It's been a while since I've given the socials a bit of a plug. So if you want to see what my projects look like and how they're tracking, you can head over to Instagram or Facebook. I just posted some good footage this week, some aerial footage of how the site is looking. So jump over there if you want to catch me on the socials. I also put out a video version of each episode on YouTube. So if you want to see what I look like or what the guests look like and how we interact with each other, then jump over to YouTube under Property Developer Podcast and you can see us there. And one final request, it's been a while since I've uh, made an ask for reviews. So if you're feeling generous, jump over onto iTunes and, uh, and give the show a review. It's a great way of helping other people find the show. Okay, on to today's guest, Nolan Keenan from Avaline Property. Nolan has gone from starting out as a real estate agent before working in IT and then recently becoming a full-time property developer. Nolan shares with us his story of progressing from a simple splitter project to now managing multiple medium density projects and setting his sights on going to even higher levels. In this conversation, we cover why he decided to do his first project in another state, how planning delayed his next project, and a really fantastic discussion about how you can transition into becoming a full-time property developer, which I know many listeners out there want to do. So be sure to listen out for Nolan's one key thing to understand before you jump into developing full-time. I'm sure you will love this chat because I really enjoyed it. So let's get stuck in by finding out what Nolan would eat until he was sick. Uh, it's changed a few times over the years, actually, but but I'm going to take the 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 recent the recent one is uh, blueberry yogurt. Uh, it's 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 I found a really great brand and and I can't get enough of it and and I do actually eat more than I should so it would be that yeah well I can imagine eating too much yogurt 
would make you feel quite sick. <laughs> yeah, you don't need you don't need to eat that much to feel sick. Actually, <laughs> well, it's sort of good for you in a way, but then bad for you when you're eating that much of it that makes you feel sick. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully your guts are uh, good for all the um, nutrients that are going into it from the yogurt. So uh, overdosing on probiotics. Yes. Yes. Now, we're here today to talk about property and your developing journey. You've um, got an interesting story to tell in that you've transformed into a full-time developer, which I know um, a lot of listeners will be really interested to hear about how you made that journey from fledgling developer across into full-time, and we'll get to that. But can you give us a bit of um, an idea of... Well, first off, how you got into property, and then then we'll start talking about some of your projects. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. So um, I've always I've always loved property. I know I've heard a lot of people say that over the years. I love property. Um, I'm passionate about property. I've I've heard those words come out of many people's mouths. But but um, and I'm going to say them myself. I am. I started in property as an estate agent um, from an employment perspective uh, in the uh, in the eighties. And uh, I worked as an estate agent for around about um, six years before embarking on a different career. Um, but over the years with with uh, with property, I've I've had investment properties. I obviously had my own houses and and apartments uh, from a home, a primary place of residence perspective, a home. And um, and and yeah, it's 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 sort of been a theme of my entire life, really. Yeah. How did you get into becoming an agent? Well, you know, you go to school and you either leave school at 16 in England or you go and do A-levels or a national diploma. I did a national diploma in business and finance um, and I just couldn't see myself working in sort of admin type roles or the other option was to join the armed forces, which where I grew up in a town in Herefordshire was quite a sort of strong theme as well for employment. Um, and I love talking to people. Um, and so I kind of naturally gravitated towards sales. Um, and not that I was specifically looking to be an estate agent, but, um, it just came about in the sense of, I wanted to be in a customer facing role, if you want to say, and, um, and that's the one that just sort of popped out of all the other ones I was looking at. And so what are the things that you learned or discovered being an agent for six years? <laughs> uh, I, I had a, quite a, well, I wouldn't call it unique necessarily, but I wasn't a pushy salesman. So I think that, um, what, I think with negotiation, it's interesting. Um, people don't want to feel pressured. Um, people don't want to feel like um, they are being pushed into a corner necessarily. And I've seen salespeople do that over the course of my career. Um that's not my style. One of the things that I did find curious during that six years was that um, actually it's not curious. It's kind of, it makes sense when you think about it, but people don't always know what they're looking for. So they might walk in, they would walk into my office in, in and they would say, I'm looking for a three bedroom house with d- two bathrooms and a d- double garage and blah, blah, blah. Right. And you go, okay, well, look, I'll see if I can f- find you one of those. On occasion, I would take people to something which was quite different to what they described in their mind. And I would say most of the time they would latch onto it and really and kind of 
they'd be like, well, I didn't even realize I'd like this, you know. So it's quite interesting how people have an idea in their minds of what they want from a property perspective. But when they see something else, it, it actually prompts a different response uh, that's quite favorable, which is interesting. And then did you do any developing then or is this something that came later? What happened after the estate, uh, real estate gig? Yeah, no, I didn't do any development for a number of years. And and my first development wasn't until um, oh, about seven, six years ago now, six, seven years ago. Um, I, I went into property investment as in building an investment portfolio before I got into development. So it's development's definitely more recent, much more recent. Yeah. I think you mentioned you ended up in an IT type role. Yeah, I've been in technology for uh, 25 years. Um, I After I left the estate agents, I, um, I, I went back and did a uh, degree in systems analysis uh, in Bristol, at University in Bristol. And I graduated in 98 and uh, went straight into a technology project management career, which is where I've been until literally a month or so ago. <laughs> So another Bristle graduate. Yeah, yeah, love love Bristol, love Bristle, Bristle. Um, <laughs> that's good. Uh, tell us about the the investing, the property investing. What was your first property that you purchased? Um, from an investment perspective, um, I bought um, a small, um, smallish. Uh, three-bedroomed unit in a strata development um, in St Mary's, um, Western Sydney, and um, and and I bought probably half a dozen investment properties in a very very short space of time um, at that at that point in time. But that would but that was the first um, investment property I bought to rent out to a, to you know to as a as a lettable property. Yeah, yeah. And then tell us about moving into developing. Yeah, that's that's always a good question, isn't it? Because uh, it, you know, everyone's got a, a unique journey there. Um, for me, uh, it, it's really about <laughs> with the investment properties. I would start to uh, look at um, you know the the growth over a period of time, and 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 don't get me wrong. Um, there's a lot to be said for buy and hold, right? I'm, it, it's not. It's not that I'm. I'm saying it's not a. It's not a good idea because it's. It's definitely an absolutely a strong part of anyone's strategy. But for me at the time, um, you know, I'm quite impatient, um, and I was kind of looking at it, and I was looking at the numbers, and I was looking at the timeframes, and I was kind of like, "What am I going to do while these places are growing in value?" <laughs> Over the next 15, 25 years. And um and, and I started feeling a bit sort of like, okay, I, I need to I need to accelerate that a bit. And and that's kind of how the jump into development came about. It wasn't a jump, it was a gradual move, but it but it was kind of like, okay, what else is there around property that that that's faster? Uh and and you know, it didn't take long to sort of go down that path of property development and started doing some education and what have you along that path. So yeah, that's kind of how it came about. I'm I'm through my impatience, really. 
And the first project, what did that look like? The the first project was um, was two dual occupancies um, that I designed myself um, on a splitter block in uh, southeast Queensland in Logan, um, and um, uh, I bought the block with the help of a buyer's agent. I was working full time at the time, and and my my job was quite uh, quite intensive, so I. I but I worked very closely with the buyer's agent because part of my um, part of my approach to everything is learn as much as you can from everyone you work with. Um, so, so I worked very closely with him to understand what his sort of um, value prop was to to find me a property, and 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 he identified a few in and around Logan uh, Council. Um, we landed on this one, and I I ended up building two two dual occupancies, two four three bed one unit in each one and i basically drew the design myself from a few things i saw on google took it to a builder and said can you build this and they said yeah pretty much a few tweaks and 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 we're off to the races kind of thing so that was that was the first development two dual occupancies on a 800 square meter splitter block so that's four dwellings in total it was two, two dwellings, uh, but four dwellings. Yeah, if you look at the um, each one unit and two units in each one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And were you based in Sydney at the time? Yeah, I've always lived in Sydney. So yeah, it's, that's pretty uh, courageous to take on your first development in a different state. Yeah, yeah. Now I know that. Yeah, what was the thinking <laughs> behind that? Uh, there wasn't much thinking behind it, to be honest with you. It was it was more about it wasn't to do with the geographical location. It was more about the price point. Um, so I wanted to do the first development um, out of my own funding. I, I'd started to get a bit of education around using other people's money, but very very basic and 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 very early days in that regard. But I still wanted to do it under my own steam, so to speak, because. It, it was really to serve a few purposes. It was to uh, see if I enjoyed it, first of all, see, see if I enjoyed the process and, and going through that motion. I didn't want to be tied to anyone and have to answer to anyone t- because of that, because it was more of an education as much as anything. Obviously, I wanted to make a profit as well. That was you know, uh, one of the key reasons. I didn't want to lose any money for sure. I'd be actually quite happy if I had to come out even to, to learn um, but I did make a profit, which was great. So um, geographically, wasn't too much of an issue. I was going up to Brisbane relatively frequently anyway in my day job. So I used to just hitch on uh, a car hire and drive down um, quite regularly and 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 see what was going on anyway. Um, but I also made sure that I had a project manager with the builder, or actually a supervisor, but somewhat someone who was actually overseeing the trades and, and working in a an organized way. Yeah. That was someone you employed directly or someone the builder had that you paid to have on site yeah. extra? The builder. And and it was actually part of their service. Um I I only went to builders who had that capability. Of a site supervisor? Yeah. So they they weren't there full time, were they? Or no, no. They the supervisor we had had, I think, four or five other projects split around the area between him. So, 
so he wasn't there full time but um but yeah he, he he did a great job he was very communicative he was very uh um he obviously very um knowledgeable in what he in in his in his trade in his experience and um uh and you know seemed to work well with all the trades that we were using as well so yeah n- n- again probably uh 50% good luck and 50% design in terms of <laughs> this unraveling the way it did but it, it it went well yeah and what key challenges or things did you learn from that project was there anything that didn't quite go to plan or was it all plain sailing when have you ever heard a project that's all plain sailing justin well i'm i'm uh always willing to hear about it <laughs> uh not all plain sailing no um uh the the main issue of of all the little perhaps little bumps in the road that we found along the way probably the biggest issue was the uh was the sewer um and we needed to connect to a sewer line that was in the uh neighbor's property um behind us and without going into all the detail um we started looking at options and what have you because the neighbor wasn't responding they had a it was a rental property couldn't get hold of them time was ticking usual sorts of uh, dynamics that are at play and um and so we started looking at options how can we how can we push the uh the waste the other way and and of course then you start talking about hydraulics and expensive solutions and what little profit i took out of the project i was just sort of doing these calculations and seeing it all getting wiped off the uh wiped off the bottom line and uh fortunately we we did resolve it in the end we did manage to connect with the um with the owner and and we, we were able to we were able to to uh, tap into that but but it was very touch and go and being the first pro- uh sort of property related issue that I'd really come across main issue it was uh it was an interesting one from a, a problem solving perspective because as a project manager I've always looked at First and foremost, how do you solve a problem? You get a problem, how do you solve it? Let's let's do a post-mortem afterwards, but let's just solve the problem now. So it was interesting to go through that process, a learning curve. And so did you sell all that stock? Yeah, I kept it for a while. I kept uh I kept them both for a while. I sold one um and then I sold the other one probably about two years after the first one I sold. Yeah. Yeah. So they were good yields. They were nearly 7% yields. So they, they were quite strong. But for me, um, it was a little bit of a painful um, uh, experience from a tenant perspective, in terms of just, you know, the, I guess the, um, you know, the, the, it, it's a I think it's a gray area personally but but it is a particular demographic and you will get a particular tenant and you do have to face that fact it's a reality and we we had a few issues with that and so um yeah I just decided it was it was not they were not the properties for me to keep in my portfolio though so I let them go yeah yes the is it Bogans from Logan I think uh is what it's known for I, I wasn't going to say that, but I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. And now I've heard it again. 
<laughs> that's all right. I grew up in southeast Queensland, so I'm very familiar with um, with those kind of areas in Logan. So you, that's you've okay. got apologies to any listeners from the Logan area. <laughs> you've got you've clearly got license to be able to say that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, let's quickly move along to your next project. What what happened? What was number two? Yeah, number two is what's finishing up at the moment, actually, which is a five townhouse in Newcastle, in Stockton, in Newcastle, which is a uh, a beachside location. Um, we're one block back from the beach. Um, it was a 1,012 square metre block, a normal quarter acre and um, uh, R2 zoning. But yeah, we got five on it um, in a sort of duplex uh parking space triplex um format um with a driveway going down the um the long boundary um so literally we're in the settlement process right now um with that um aiming to have settlements completed by uh the 24th of april well that's exciting it's always great when you can see the finish line inside and the bank balance might get into the positive territory for a change <laughs> momentarily yeah <laughs> uh well, tell us about how you select that area or how come you decided to go closer to home well yeah that was a conscious decision now in terms of bringing it a bit closer to home because um again even though it wasn't too um much of a challenge for me at the time with queensland um i did want to have the next development developments as being within driving distance um to be able to get to them um so so that was one of the um that was one of the aspects i sort of look at i've got a, a, a three roughly three hour radius around sydney from sydney where i live um of where i'd be prepared to go and that that's kind of my target zone if you like uh, this particular property itself, in terms of the site, um, I was looking all over Newcastle at the time. Um, a property came up that was on market, um, which we made an offer on. Um, when I say we, I mean myself and two JV partners who had agreed to do a project with me. Um, that that didn't uh, that didn't come to fruition, but I'd already done a letter drop in in the area, and I got a call uh from a from an from another property not far from that one on the same size block so we've done all the numbers um so when i spoke to the owner and he said to me this is what i want it was it was a very quick kind of we can do that you know because i already had the numbers there in front of me so so we ended up getting a a site from a letter drop um um we on a on a seven month delayed settlement um we were aiming to get DA in that time. Didn't didn't quite work out that way. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, that that's that's so that's the location was just fantastic in terms of Stockton Beach and and um, it's a great little suburb. So yeah, it was a good find. And how'd you go through planning? <laughs> well, you know. As you know, Justin, and many, many people who listen to this who, who've gone through the same process, um, you know, you just never know what's going to happen with with a DA, do you? Um, and it doesn't matter how much you think you've designed it within the, you know, constraints of what it is that council are looking for. There'll always be something or multiple things. So we got an RFI 
um, after a few months with, from memory, I think it was about uh, 12 items, I think, some, something like that, maybe more. Um, some of them were pretty straightforward, some of them not so much. And so that takes time. So by the time we'd sort of gone through that process of responding to the RFI, going back into council, the initial assessment officer was then replaced by another assessment officer. Um, and yeah, it it you know, it's kind of like just throw it at us. Come on, you know, we're ready. Uh so what should have taken, we thought maybe four or five months that we, you know, that our architect had seen similar DAs take actually ended up taking eight months. Um, and to be honest with you, you know, I didn't even think it was going to take eight months at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, to me, that even sounds pretty good. <laughs> eight months. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We know now in today's environment, it is pretty good, you know, but um, yeah. Any other challenges or interesting things that happened along the way in that project? Yeah, there's been a few. Um, I, it, it's interesting. Um, the, I'd say the homeowners warranty insurance threw a curveball. Um, the we we went through a um, a non bank lending um, path for this project, and the homeowners warranty um, they wanted us to provide very detailed. Um, uh, information from our from our lender. Um, now our lender, you know, is not your traditional bank in that sense. So, you know, the the the, the investors who were putting money into them, um, you know, would just a flat no. We're not going to give you any more information. You got what you need. With <laughs> you know, so so there was a there was a delay in that of probably around about a month or so. Um, uh, we eventually arrived at a solution um, where we 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 got the lender to park the money for the build in an account, a named account in the name of the project, where so the insurance company could see that the funds were there to complete the build, which is what they were kind of, which is what their concern was. Um, so. That was an interesting. Doesn't the builder take out home warranty insurance? Uh, yes, that's right. That's right. Um, but this is the process we went through, um, and uh, and you know, again, in in the in the in the quest for solving problems, this, some of the questions that you would ordinarily ask in a in a light hearted conversation that always pop into your head anyway, you just don't even have time to even ask those questions. You're just trying to rally to respond you know so uh, absolutely it is the the builder but this is what the insurance company wanted so and how'd you go through construction because you would have been building during covid lockdowns and material disruptions yeah any delays or issues there yeah a few a few few minor ones but the biggest one was bricklayers um and we had about a five week delay with bricklayers not being able to get a bricklaying team um and and i've got to say this the builder we used um was absolutely amazing Uh, um i think 
we we couldn't have chosen a better builder in terms of communication, in terms of uh, their um, focus on solving problems, and and then not just solving problems, but also um, finding a trying to find a way back to the critical path um, in terms of the timing of things. And and so I had many conversations with the with the project manager of the builder um, in terms of. Um, you know how we how we maintain the schedule with some of these delays, and 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 they were always willing to look at um, multiple options to, to and and did and did put multiple options in place to uh, to help you know bring us back to where we were. So we lost some time. We lost about five weeks, but um, we probably clawed back a couple of weeks on that um, with some paralleling of activity. Oh, yeah, week delay. That's pretty amazing, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, I, 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 you know, I've got zero complaints with our builder. Um, I, I think I was watching and we've all watched other developers with builders go through quite nightmare scenarios. And I just feel very grateful and fortunate that we haven't had to deal with that. Yes, that's me still at the moment going through that so it is very challenging, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel get free. a good builder that works their way through it. That's fantastic. It's gold, absolutely. All right, and they all are they all sold? Did you say that about to settle? Yeah, they um they they actually so we did a pre sales campaign. So so part of our strategy right up front was we were going to pre sell, um, and so we went to market pretty much the same week that we uh, broke ground, which was. Um, which was March, April, 2022, so a year ago. And we sold um, we sold four of them within a few months, actually, of, 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 of starting the project, breaking ground. And so the last one sold and the last one sold and exchanged a week before Christmas, just gone. Um, and uh, so yeah, we 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 got all those we got all those um, uh, locked down, and then it was just a case of um, going straight into the settlement process um, when we got to that point. Yeah. Okay, and then now what? I think you've got some bigger projects that you've taken on now. Yeah, yeah. Now it's um, and again, this sort of plays to a little bit of the fact that I'm now out of my technology corporate career and into into this full time um to organize my days and be productive instead of busy <laughs> but i've got um uh 14 14 townhouses um in a location about three and a half hours north of sydney another coastal location um which been a very slow da process there's been a lot of going and backwards and forwards <laughs> A lot of engineering um, constraints, and added to that, we had to um, negotiate a an easement, a 122 meter easement um, on an adjoining landowner's land. Um, so I've had multiple conversations with that landowner. We've 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 got an agreement, and um, but we but that took a lot of uh, you know th- th- these things take a lot of time, and and they don't that you know they just add or you know everything to 
to the overall timeline. So we're just we're just about ready to go into DA. But the other challenge we've had is that because it's taken so long, I had the property under option. The option is due to expire in a couple of weeks' time. So I've been renegotiating the option for an extension on the option as well. Um, so these things are all happening in parallel, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to sort of land them in the right order. <laughs> So that we don't end up with a uh, with a property we don't have any control over and a DA that they have. <laughs> and so, how did you find that site? Were you using a buyer's agent again? No, I, I've I've now sort of um, arrived at a place where I do my own research. So over the years, I've educated myself to the point where um, I I have the information I need to make decisions around what areas to go to and also the search tools available. And some of them are great now today to be able to, um, you know, send letters and, and um, go through that process. So, so I do that myself. It, that's unsustainable in the long term because I've already used, um, I've already outsourced that part of it when I was working full time um, or a part of that process, but yeah, I, I I use on market as well just to see obviously what the market's doing in the area. But but my preference, my strong preference is always um, off market to negotiate an option. Yeah. And did you say it was fourteen? So this one's fourteen. Yeah. The yeah. land subdivision, or are you doing? No, it's not. It's not a land subdivision. It'll be um, the DA will be for the townhouses, which will be a strata development. Yeah. And how big is the block? Four thousand and forty-four square meters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Sounds like a good project. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's a great project. Um, we're very excited about this one and looking forward to seeing it um, progress. I think as of yesterday, uh, we've got um, I think we've got agreement for the for the option. There's just a few little tricky pieces to to figure out with the extension, but. Uh, and then this morning I made another offer on another on another site um uh for 12 possibly 12 uh units as well so um so starting to accelerate now that I've got um now that I don't have the the tech consulting um taking up and using the hours in my day yeah so I'm going to come back to that transition to full time just in a moment Did, was there another project that you said you had a 14 and a something else yeah, the twelve, the twelve that I've just put the offer in on this morning, um, I will, I will um, leave that with the with the owners to ponder over the weekend, and we'll probably come back to a conversation next week and see if they're um, see if they're agreeable to to what I've put in front of them. Very good. Well, hopefully you can get that one across the line as well. It's always nice to have a pipeline of projects coming up. Keeps you focused and excited about what's in the future. Yeah. But let's have a chat about becoming full-time because I know that's something that a lot of people are interested in that get into development. I get lots of questions about it. I actually have a module about it in my own online training course. Um, tell us about the transition. Did you start out wanting to be a full-time developer when you got into developing? Did you have a plan? Or when, where was the, what was the moment? <laughs> decided to go full time let's let's talk about that 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is a great it is a great subject actually because you you do have a lot of conversations with people. I do as well. It's um, it, it's it, it, I think for for me um, after I'd sort of done the first development, uh, I realised that it was definitely something I wanted to do. Um, uh, the idea of doing it full time, I think, probably um, took a little bit longer to manifest um, in terms of how that might kind of work because. You know, when you've been working in an employment fashion uh, for many years, you kind of it, there is that transition, you know, which is why this is an interesting subject, because it's a mindset shift um, more than anything. But obviously, there's financial implications to it. Um, so the last five years, um, I left permanent work. And, and for the last five years, I've been contracting and consulting in, in tech um, purposely to kind of give myself a little bit of time in between contracts. So I may have done a six-month contract or a three-month consulting engagement and then taken a month or a couple of months in between and then done another one and so on. So some of them have been back-to-back, but I've tried to stage them in that way over the last five years. Um, and, um, and you know, through this through the Stockton development, um, you know, it sort of becomes apparent that you just can't do everything. <laughs> And if you want to get into property development and you want to do it from a business perspective, which is what I do, um, uh, something's got to give. And, you know, that's your corporate role or, or whatever whatever you've been doing. And, and you've got to. But, yeah, that transition is really around having the uh, either the, the financials in place to support that or some sort of mechanism to to keep that going. Um so for me, the the combination of um, you know Stockton coming to fruition, um, and also with the fourteen about to go into DA, about to go into council, uh, that accelerates that in terms of potential project management fees that I can that I can extract, and I've also um, started doing a little bit of development management work. For another couple of developers who are ultimately going to be my JV partners in this 14 townhouses, they've got a whole pipeline of projects, and I'm uh, doing some work with them, which is which is another um, small, you know, financial sort of reward, if you like. Um, so it's kind of like, I guess, if I'd had a vision in my mind of being full time property development, it was never clear enough to know what exactly it would look like from a financial perspective. I just knew that it had to be supported. Um, and it just so happens that the consulting that I was doing previously came to an end. Um, and it was kind of more of a, I'm just not going to go and do another one. <laughs> and I'm going to focus on this rather than a big celebration about now I'm a full-time property developer. It, it's a much more gradual, smoother lower key um process than than you might expect you know and so did you have a cash flow plan in terms of generating fees and income or did you take a bit of a leap definitely got a cash flow plan in terms of fees um uh but there is also a bit of a leap yeah um so you know if you were a bit more maybe conservative you would probably go and do another contract. Um, 
I don't mind taking a little bit of risk. Um, that's the kind of industry we work in to some degree. You got to take a punt, and I kind of when you weigh it up, you kind of go, look, what's my time worth, right? If what can I achieve with the hours in my day when I'm not being distracted by a technology consulting role, which can be quite consuming, you know? And you got to kind of weigh it up and go, what can I do in that time? And how quickly can I accelerate things if I get that time back that I wouldn't normally have? So it's kind of like you've got to weigh up many, many things in the decision to go into full-time property development. And that includes your vision and your plan for where you want to where you see yourself in 12 months, two years, five years, whatever it might be. For me, this is a business. Um, I I fully intend for Avaline Property to be uh, a business bona fide um, property development business um, with a pipeline of projects um, both underway and um, and, and at various phases um, in their um, you know in that process so yeah I've got a clear vision in that regard <clears throat> my view on that is I'd rather spend my time building my business and realizing my vision than using my time to do that for somebody else. Yeah. That's not to say that working for somebody else is a problem. It's up to each person to decide. But yeah, I'd rather use my time to build out my vision and realize the things that I want to do in my life. So that's that's why I do it. That's what I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think where you might struggle is if you don't have that vision, is if you're not clear on what is it you want to do. Because just saying you want to do property development is not enough. You've got to have more than that. There's got to be more meat on the bone to that. Um, I think you've also got to be ready to leave the corporate world as well, because a lot of people are in, have been in the corporate world for many years. It's a safe. It's well. Here's the irony I think of corporate world is that you think it's a safety net, but it's in fact not, because <laughs> you're at the mercy of someone else. No, I, I talk about that in my book nolan i make that point like things can happen as we saw in covid and suddenly there's layoffs corporate changes and it's got nothing to do with you got nothing to do with you as a person or who you are and the job you do it's just a decision that gets made at the upper echelons and you get cut that's it like all the people that were working in hospitality and the arts during covid they're just their jobs just disappeared. It didn't really have anything to do with them. Yeah. So there is risk there working for other people. There is. There is. There is. More more than people, I think, recognise. Which yeah. is funny because the banks really like people who work for other people as they get a regular paycheck. But anyway. That's right. uh, you life. said there was a lot of it was to do around a mindset shift. So mm. what was that shift? Well, to some degree, what we were just talking about in terms of that kind of, um, you know, that sort of safety net that you think is is an employer, if you like, um, is part of it. Um, but it's also, um, you know, I would say if I was to sort of sum it up, because it's it's quite complex. But for me, it really comes down to a few things, which are your motivation. So not just what how motivated are you but what is your motivation why you you know your why we talk about this what's your why right so but it but it's it's partly your motivation 
Um, it's partly um, there's a leap, and it may not be a leap it, because you know you've probably done it gradually over time in terms of what what are you capable of, right? So what's your capability? Um, you know, development's it's tough. It's not it's not easy, and you do have to invariably solve multiple problems some at the same time (laughs) and so if you're not of that if you're not that way inclined if you get lost in problems then you're probably doing yourself a disservice by getting into property development so you've got to have a you've got to have some very um clear and you've got to have a clear understanding of your own capability and what you're what you're capable of and then i think the other one is really just coming back to what I said earlier about your vision, what is it you want to do with property development, right? So um, is it a vehicle for something in particular? Or, you know, again, I've come across many um, developers who probably will only develop once and they develop in their backyard. (laughs) They've got a big block, they subdivide, build a house and they're happy. That's it. I wouldn't call that a developer. Um, so vision of where you're going with it, I think, is really important with this shift into it as a full-time gig. Um, and, and and the clarity around those three things, motivation, capability, and vision, I think, for me, are probably the, the things that revolve, I revolve around most in my mind around getting to this point. And those have probably been the strongest themes for me um, to realize um, where I am at this point. Um, yeah, that that would be. I mean, you know, there's so many, there's so many aspects to it. It's very complex, but those are the three key things I think for me. And what about any challenges or unexpected things that have popped up since you've become full time? Because I remember when I first came full time, and I thought all my dreams were going to come true when I started working full time, and then a couple of months in, I'm like, oh, I still got all this crap I got to deal with. <laughs> you know, I still got life. <laughs> all the things um yeah yeah so, it's, but it's definitely more fulfilling i'll i'll absolutely say that but what about for you any unexpected challenges or things you didn't expect no not not really not unexpected no um and you know i th- i think it is <laughs> i i think the biggest thing for me now where you know moving into this full time is that like I said, there wasn't some grand plan where I said, right, on February the 27th, 2023, I'm going to leave corporate and become a full-time property developer. It just didn't, it, that was never kind of written down anywhere or anything like that. It just happened the way it happened, but it was always in a vision, right? So so it's only been a very short space of time. It's allowed me to focus more um, intently on getting stocked and finished, which I would have done anyway, but it would have just been doing the two full-time jobs I've been doing for the last three years. Um, and I think the biggest thing right now, to be honest with you, is just getting to a, like working through what my day is kind of look, is going to look like. I, I want to, I want to kind of plan my day now that I'm, I'm out of, you know, corporate world where people are putting meetings in your calendar and filling up your day with conversations, which are quite meaningless most of the time. And so I want to, I want to, I've been going through a bit of a process of kind of thinking, what do, 
you know, and again, I'm not talking about rigidity here, but you know, what, what, loosely speaking, what does my day look like? I mean, you know, it's like I've been reading the 5 a.m. club, right? And, you know, they, they talk about, you know, the hour of power in the morning kind of thing. And I've been thinking, but it's like, you know, so it's kind of, it's kind of like putting a bit of structure into place to be productive. I said this earlier in the podcast, I, you know, it's about, it's not about being busy, it's about being productive. So I want to make sure that i'm productive and not just busy so it's about putting a few things in place to do to do that and make sure that i'm not just spinning wheels yeah it's a good book the 5am club have it on my recommended reading list for people who go through my training not because i think you need to get up at 5am but because there is some of those good models in there for um what to do each day which i think is very helpful and valuable to do absolutely 100 percent agree yeah yeah and so is that your key advice to someone that might be looking to go full-time? Work out what your vision and purpose is first? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, um, again, it, it comes back to, you know, what you've been doing, you know, what job you've been doing, who you're working for, how long you've been working for them, are you permanent, are you contract? You know, there's lots of different angles to it, right? But but I think if it does come down to, you know, you've gone through the process, you've done a couple of developments or at least one, and you've kind of landed on the, 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 the I want to be a full-time developer, you know, don't do it lightly. Do put a lot of thought to it. Do investigate what it means. Do explore. Do talk to people. Uh, you know, as we were saying, you know, part of, you know, part of this um, conversation we're having hopefully will help people understand a few things around that. But but it's um, but yeah, I think I think the advice is really just every every situation is unique. But just make sure that you're you're very very clear, hundred percent clear, well as close to as hundred percent clear as you can be on your desire to do this as a full time gig, because you know for for a lot of people there might not be any going easy going back to uh whatever they were doing right i i could i could easily pick up another contract next week next month probably next year although it might be stretching it a bit then uh you know um but not everybody might have that luxury right so you know i think it's important just to be very conscious of what you are where you are what you're doing how you're doing it and and what that means if you were to to give that up, you know, it's important. Very good. Well, tell me what have you learnt about yourself over the past couple of years, more related to your property development experience? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting how I did a lot of leadership training when I was in corporate world um, and, you know, part of that leadership training uh when i led teams was about the stress response that you might have when you're in certain situations there's a different response you will have when you're under stress to that which when you're not and so um from my corporate days and there's a lot of stuff i've done in corporate world that's really useful really handy um but i've been very conscious of that over the last couple of years in terms of how i respond to things and how i deal with people because the other big difference with property development is that in an organization, 
you might ask the accounts team or the uh you know or the provisioning team or this team or that team to do something it's very different in in the world of development where you're working with consultants who have other clients they don't work for you <laughs> you know and when you're under pressure and your response to things could be not what you either expect or you've never really thought about it for me I've really been conscious about managing my response to stress and how I deal with consultants and professionals. Um, And that includes the architect in a way that's both respectful, but has a sense of urgency. And I think that in itself is a learned skill, right? Um, And a learned skill that I would encourage anyone who wants to get into property development to think very closely about because um you know being a squeaky wheel is one thing um with consultants and what have you but um if you start to throw your weight around um and act like a dick um you won't get the response you want um so that's been a big thing for me in terms of learning well you might get you might get a result in the short term but in the long term the good people are not going to work with you when you behave like that is my view yeah Um, now when i work with people who i mentor and help one of the things i always like to work on with them is developing their standards and expectations yeah so what are the things that are really important to you so that when you do get into those hot situations they're your north star and you can refer back to them and go well am i abiding by my standards and expectations that i've set for myself yeah i am good if i'm not okay i need to adjust my behavior or what i'm doing because i've said that's not how i want to be so and i find that's a super valuable activity to do absolutely yeah really really important justin and uh definitely oh i would imagine you know pivotal to your course to be honest with you because again you 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 would have heard this many times but i've said this for many years which is that property is not property development is not it's 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 as much a people business as it is about property in fact probably more so probably more a people business so if you don't have good people skills and you can't think about the what's in it for me the whiffum that 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 other people have uh you're gonna you're gonna come unstuck i think yeah it's a numbers game first and then it's all people and relationships yeah yeah that's a fair point what it boils down to can you get things done and you need other people to help you because you can't do it all so how good are you at working with all those different people and getting things done yeah yeah absolutely absolutely what about uh, the best piece of advice you think you've ever been given? I think um, two ears and one mouth. Use them in that order. <laughs> that was probably the first piece of advice I was ever given, actually. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I I kind of mean that. It, it's kind of half joshing really but i do mean that it's it's really important to listen it's really important to and this applies to anything this is just not just property development but um you know uh i can't remember which book it is now who wrote it but you know the the 
the there was an author that wrote you know a lot of people listen um with the intent to reply what they need to do is listen with the intent to understand and there's a difference there's a difference because if you're thinking if you're having a conversation and you're thinking about what your reply is going to be to that person's sentences then you're not really thinking about what it is that they're saying properly so i've again that's something which over the years i've tried to hone a little bit and get better at and continue to because it's a journey it's definitely not a point in time where you're going to go right that's it i've done my training on that now so and we're all we're all um we're all uh, victims of you know being a bit brash and just thinking about our reply we all do it we're human beings but i think if you can truly understand if you can listen to understand two ears and one mouth and then that's the that's the that's the that's the kind of analogy for me which is then i think you'll get more out of everything to be honest i was going to make some wisecrack about marriages and relationships but i thought better of it in that moment that i had to stop and think yeah that's 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 a whole other podcast <laughs> uh lucky my wife doesn't listen to the show um, <laughs> what about You've taken yourself to the next level from doing a small project to a bigger project to an even bigger project. So what's your advice for someone who's listening who would like to do something similar? How do you yeah. yeah, look, um, I think, you know, the devil is in the detail, right? With everything you do in life, the devil is in the detail. And when you get into to property development, it, it it's it's very, very true. Now, I'm a big believer in education. I love the fact that you've got your course, Justin, and 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 you're an educator. I'm a big believer in education. So keep learning, keep keep exploring, keep um, you know, do do paper trade deals. You know, I, I've done hundreds of those in terms of you know, pick a site, go through the process. You know, imagine that you're going to bring this to fruition as a development and. Think about all the things that could possibly happen or you'd need to respond to or you need to cover during that process um, and do it on bigger developments, right? Um, from a development management process, I'm, I've got the opportunity now to work on a class two development. Um, and that's another ball game entirely, you know, um, uh, having only done class one one uh, a So it's, and again, for, for, you know, listeners of this show, it's, you know, for class two, you know, apartments and, and that type of building. Um, so for me, I think the advice would be just keep learning, keep exploring, keep digging, you know, um, keep scratching. You know, you've got to, the only way you can learn is by, well, education's one thing, but then you've got to go and put it into practice to really learn and embody that. Um, because until you actually go through the motions, um, it's still only going to have a certain impact from a mind, from a you know mind growth perspective. So I think in terms of or a growth mindset perspective, um, so it, it's important to learn, but it's important that if you want to, you know, either go on to bigger projects or any project, that you actually go and find a project and do it. And put it in practice. Yeah, I always like to say that doesn't matter what happens to you, 
no one can take away your knowledge and wisdom that you acquire along the way. And it's the best investment you can make in yourself. Absolutely. 100%. Love that. Yeah, the returns are exponential over a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And uh, the, the name of the company, Avaline Property, so is there a story behind that? There is a story behind that, actually. Um, and that is that my sister, who's in the UK, um, she she decided to trace our family tree. And she actually got as far back as the 16th century. And um, when you go that, that, that far back, you start seeing lots of different, obviously, channels coming off in terms of where families come from and so on and so forth. Um, one strand of our family was from France, um, and uh, their name was Aveline, um, or as the French say, Aveline. Um, so they came to England from France in the 18th century, uh, met Thomas O'Keenan, uh, one, one of my dis- distant relatives from Ireland, uh, and and they got together in Shropshire, of all places. And so um, Aveline is, is, is a family name, and that's why I used it. It's very nice to have uh, some history there and a link back to your past as you look forward to the future. So that's nice. Nicely put. <laughs> where where can people find out more about Aveline or about yourself, Nolan, if they're interested? Yep. Well, got a website, avalineproperty.com. Um, so you can go there, uh, easily contactable through that. Um uh social media facebook um um doing doing a bit more on facebook in terms of just tracking the projects and that sort of thing so giving updates etc so I'll, i'll probably accelerate that a little bit moving forward so connect with me on facebook by all means um but i've got um i've got avaline on on linkedin instagram facebook and and the website now to sort of over time gradually build that that presence um uh so yeah that that's that's the way to um get in touch yeah very good any last parting comments or things you'd like to mention before we round out the show um no look i think we've covered a lot of ground to be honest with you mate i think that the um i think i think just the 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 clarity would be the main thing. Just, you know, if you are interested in property development, if you haven't done anything, you know, um, start small, um, you know, learn the ropes a bit, um, do it in a way that's not going to hopefully break the bank too much. <laughs> um, and, you know, if it's something you think you want to do, but you haven't done it, you've got to, have, you've got to give it a go, right? So you've got to try something to really know whether you like it or not. Um, but yeah, just, just try and go through that process of gaining clarity if property development is something you want to get into and, and, and through doing you'll, you'll get that. That's probably the last bit of advice I would give. Yes. You absolutely have to do a project to understand what property development's about. You can read all the books you want until the rubber hits the road. Uh, it's all theory. That's it. That's right. 
All right, Nolan, it's been awesome talking to you today. It's been great to have you on the podcast. I've really enjoyed speaking with you and thank you for sharing your insights. I'm sure people are going to really enjoy hearing about how you became a full-time developer and hopefully inspire some other people to make it across the, the chasm. Yeah, I hope so, Justin. And thank you so much. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to come on your show. As I said to you before, I listen to it when I'm driving. I love listening to it. So um, I'll see if I love listening to myself so much. Probably not. But thank you. It's really grateful. No, it's been my pleasure having you on the show. I've been uh, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and best wishes for uh, the upcoming project. Hope you land that uh, 12 unit deal. Thank you. Same to you too with yours. Good luck. See you later. Thanks, mate.